Welcome to Cosmic You, the podcast where we explore the depths of spirituality, self-discovery, and the mysteries of the universe. I'm Holly. And I'm Bree. Through our journey, we've discovered that the universe is a reflection of our inner selves, and by exploring the cosmos, we can discover new insights which guide us to unlock our true potential. Each week, we'll be diving into a new topic related to spirituality, inviting guests along the way who are experts and thought leaders in their field to join us to share their unique insights and perspectives. Throughout conversations, we hope to inspire you to discover the sacred within yourself and the world around you. We are so excited to embark on this journey with you. Welcome to Cosmic You. Welcome back to another episode of Cosmic You. Today we are joined by Lauren, who is the owner of Redhead Wellness Sanctuary. She's also the owner and founder of In Birth and Beyond. And fun fact, Lauren and I went to high school together way back in the day. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, and did you? No. There you go. And now she's my boss. Belly high. Which is cool. Represent. Belly high till you die. <laughs> <laughs> so... Lauren is our first guest on the podcast Mm. and something that we're going to start doing with our guests is just to help you guys get to know them a little bit more is ask them what their cosmic code is. So Mm. Lauren, can you please tell us what your cosmic code is? Your your astrological sun sign. Um, My sun sign is Virgo. Love that. Um, Am I 35.8? Yeah, which is your life path number. Yeah, my life path number and I am a generator. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's such a powerful combination. You've mm. got the 35-8, which is like all about power and abundance. Whatever you want to manifest and create, you have the mm. ability to create. You've got the generator energy, which means that you can just keep going and working mm. and working hard towards your goals. Mm. And then you've got this Virgo energy, which makes you super grounded and organized. That's such a powerful combination you've got swimming around Ooh. there. Look Love at me. that for you. Look it, at does, me. it does amaze me, the stuff that you just get done. Yeah, actually, I surprised myself. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's many late nights. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I really don't don't recommend that to anyone. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. You do when you've got kids and two businesses, three under one roof. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm. It's a big one to juggle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, can you tell us a bit about your journey and how you kind of landed in all of these businesses oh, in this dear. space? Um. Gosh, where do I even start? Um, I left high school and I actually thought that I was going to be a fashion designer. Oh. Yeah. Um, Hence the outfit that we've got going on now. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, super creative. I love all, like, the artsy kind of stuff. Sewing, like, I'm a big sewer, knitter, all of the things. So, I really thought that I was going to take that path. And I actually ended up starting out in that for a good couple of years like running a high-end boutique and then I got pregnant and I had Alia and we had an amazing home birth it was like yeah it was so incredible um and birth work was totally so far from my radar like I would not have even thought um but I had a really incredible experience had a really amazing midwife who um was very close to retirement so there was lots of like wink wink you know like little under the table underhanded like comments of like you don't have to do that and it was super empowering even though I was like very headstrong anyway and knew what I wanted and knew straight like 
off the bat that we were birthing at home. There was like, it was non-negotiable. If Jacob didn't want a part of it, well, he didn't have to be there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, like I was super like, yep, I'm doing that or no, like flat out. It's a flat out no. Um, And she was so amazing. She actually said to me um, at my first appointment, there are two things that I really want you to remember. One is that you are... um, made to like birth your baby that's like what we're designed to do and two it's your body your choice always remember that like in your pregnancy journey but also with like afterwards with raising your kids um and that really stuck with me and we had a really really incredible birth um at home very different to second time around but it was kind of this like catalyst to totally upending everything um and my midwife actually didn't make it to our birth but she watched our birth video and like many of the midwives like from that practice had kind of all like raved about it and it was kind of like little their little hallway gossip love that (laughs) um and I had a student midwife there with me and it was like her first experience at a home birth as well um so she'd only like she was still at uni Mm. Um, so that was really like she was like super amazed and then um, she's actually gone on now to um, come back into the home birth space so like they have to go off for and do like training in a hospital and like she moved back um, back to that and we like still keep in contact every now and then Um, but yeah it was my main midwife that sat me down and she said I don't know what it is Lauren but like she knew I was a yoga teacher and I was already into this world of like mindfulness and what have you anyway but she had said to me I don't know what it is but you need to do something with this Mm. you need to teach other women like the level of confidence that you had in this whole experience um like you know share with them like how to trust themselves and like all the things um yeah she was like I just really feel like that's what you need to do Mm. like three weeks later I was you know leaking milk and all the things going on (laughs) and I was sitting there on the bed with Jacob and I said to him I think I want to enroll in this hypnobirthing course because we had done a hypnobirthing course online for her birth um and like we used kind of all of those tools and that knowledge and um yeah three weeks later I was like basically signed up and doing like training education with like a three-week-old baby that is in so code. in alignment to your signs like to your cosmic code oh my god this is what I mean she just like she thinks and then she goes and does and just do it yeah um so then yeah I was in training with that for um about six months or so because we had to do like if you weren't um a midwife already you had to go and do like childbirth education with um one of our like childbirth educator midwives who is now an incredible home birth midwife um in Brisbane Gold Coast region Brisbane yeah um so did that we had to do like a hypnobirthing uh, a hypnosis Mm. course like if you weren't already a hypnotherapist um and then we did like that training course like to finish things off so yeah I pretty much um I was still working in the dress shop so I went back after having Alia um just like very minimal hours and like a lot of online stuff and then it got to the point where like I think the first month I booked like one client maybe like the second month I booked two clients and then from that it just totally escalated like it it just totally blew up 
Um, so I threw in the towel with that and it very quickly became like my almost full-time job in a, in a sense. And then it worked me right through until just before having Luca. So he's um, almost like, yeah, he's just over two and a half. And like a couple of months before I had him, that was like hectic. Like things blew up to the point of like that month I had to run three separate courses like I think I had like 24 um, oh pregnant ladies that month that I was mentoring um before I went off um wow yeah. Yeah. Mm. and so with that are mm. you mostly helping women within their birth preparation do you go with women through their birth or no. working them mentally no. through yeah. all of that it's yep. more so like the behind the scenes stuff yep. um I've since like created my own program so I don't teach hypnobirthing anymore because I started to see things that I weren't I wasn't aligned with anymore but um so I've got my own program now but it's more so like virtual support almost like a virtual doula mm. in a way um like I have had clients that like husbands have called me when they're like in early labor to be like what do we do <laughs> SOS yeah <laughs> no totally fine they're totally fine I'm like you got this you're always fine remember all the things that we've learned yeah um yeah so it's more so like virtual support and then it kind of um and then like face-to-face when we're actually doing like the course together um and it kind of carries through a little bit into the postpartum period I like to kind of continue my support into that period because um, there's often a lot of noise at that time, um, generationally as well, from mm. like parents, grandparents' generation. They've done things very differently in a very disconnected way, um, very emotionally unavailable. Mm. Um, and the mentality is kind of your baby should be independent from the get go. Mm. And we kind of see that disconnect. Um, yeah and that influence in the advice that new parents are given so um I'm always kind of there to be like on the sidelines being like no just remember what is biologically normal just remember Mm. like baby needs attachment needs Mm. closeness needs cuddles all the time needs frequent feeds all the time because Mm. yeah they get like so swayed by this really murky Mm. unhelpful um advice Mm. and then it just makes new mothers I suppose feel like you're just doing so many different things wrong Mm. if you're just listening to that advice and you've got an instinct kind of taking over and Mm. yeah and it's funny too because they often come to me and they're like I've been told this thing or my mother-in-law keeps telling me this thing but I myself don't feel like it's right they already know the answer Mm. it's just Mm. about me reminding them that they know the answer for themselves already that like coming back to those biological instincts that Mm. we are still like the same creatures that we were back you know however many million years ago Mm. in caveman days Mm. what have you we still have those instincts but our western society has like slowly removed them Mm. from us yeah um so it's just coming back to that remembering Mm. and i think like what you said before too how your uh midwife said to you like the confidence you have and the self-trust you have like that's what it all comes down Mm. to like when you feel that instinct or intuitive pull to actually go Oh no, I do believe in that. I can yeah. trust that, and mm. I can, I do have confidence in myself to make those decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, can you talk a little bit about building that self belief and confidence around birth? Because I think mm. it's something that every woman potentially at some point, because of our society and the way mm. that we're brought up, movies, all the things of what you see about birth, mm-hmm. it makes you terrified, right? Yeah, totally. And there's this whole fear around it, and you do feel like shit. 
Yeah. What do I do in that mm. time? Mm. So can you talk about, yeah, building confidence, mm. self-trust and self-belief? Yeah. During pregnancy or even yeah, conception? Yeah, totally. Um, I would say firstly, again, coming back to that idea of removing the noise, there is always going to be someone with like their own little two cents worth thrown in. Um, whether it be a parent, whether it be, you know, a sibling, whether it be a friend, um, we tend to, it sounds really awful, but it's often women that do this. It's often other women. Mm. Um, we throw our projections onto a pregnant woman um, and they're mostly fear-based projections. Mm. So they don't realise that they're kind of spilling their open wound onto a pregnant woman um and it means well it really does mean well but for someone who's preparing in that space all that's going to do is get them into this doubt Mm -hmm. space they're not going to trust themselves they're not going to trust their body and that innate wisdom and they're going to be led to believe that birth is this medical emergency that their body's broken and they need help Mm. so starting to like block that stuff out sometimes like I say to my clients sometimes it means having to flat out not see certain friends for like the whole duration of Mm. your pregnancy if that if they're like a really negative person or it's really disrupting you don't see them it Mm. means like eliminating yourself from those conversations that could be super detrimental to your mindset Mm. Um, again even if they mean well because on a subconscious level we our subconscious mind is like a sponge we're taking in our environment and our conversations and what we watch, like you were saying with like movies and stuff and that kind of culture, we're taking and absorbing in everything and that is dripping through into creating a belief system. Mm. So if that's the dominant noise around us, of course we're going to believe that we're, our body's broken, that we need help, that we need a hospital, mm. that mm. someone's going to be there to save us. So blocking that out will be really helpful in instilling that confidence but also connecting to your body on a daily basis and connecting to your baby. You know your baby more than anyone knows, than an ultrasound or a scan can tell you, than an external practitioner can can tell you because you're literally the one physically feeling mm. movements, kicks, swishes, mm. you know, hiccups mm. even um, inside your body on a daily basis. So that wisdom is already within you. Um Again, most women um, that, like, as a general, not so much the women that I work with, but as a general, aren't connected to their body. Mm -hmm. They've had a whole lifetime of not being connected to their body. Um, They're not connected to, like, that innate feminine wisdom. Like, they probably haven't been connected to their first menarche, their first Mm -hmm. menstrual cycle. That was probably swept under under the rug. Like, all these kind of female issues or not issues but um rites of passage and pivotal moments are just kind of like swept under under the rug particularly Mm. through our culture so coming back to that like connecting into your body on a daily basis connecting um to that more feminine like daily movement practice Mm. is so so powerful to build that confidence um in your body um and also like feeling into baby's movements is also mm. super important. But then I would come to um, the other side of the spectrum, like blocking out the noise, but then also really purposely dragging in mm. and pulling in mm. those people that are on the same page as you, that are going to boost you up, that are going to tell you you've got this. You just need to remember whether it's practitioners, like I work with a really wonderful group of practitioners that believe in birth, that believe in women, mm. Um 
So sometimes it might be like a shifting in friendship groups at mm. that time. They may actually shift altogether and stay that way, in mm. fact, because likely you'll move into parenthood and go, hmm, there's a disconnect anyway between mm. those people. So, yeah, I'd say remove the noise, connect to your body, connect to your baby, and then surround yourself with the people that make that big impact on what on what your vision is because mm. every woman's vision is different. And I think that's why, like, I've heard so many people have these horrendous birthing experiences because they just are fed so much fear mm. that they start to believe that their intuition isn't correct. Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's why the work you do is just so important because mm. you're re-empowering women yeah. just to come back to this innate mm. wisdom that ex- exists within our yeah. body. Mm. And even for you just to have your, like, such a powerful birthing experience for your first time, that's that's not common, yeah. unfortunately. Mm. And it's like, I think a lot of people as well think that that's just luck, mm. which there are certain elements of, but there was a lot of very careful consideration and curation to create that birth experience throughout mm. my whole pregnancy mm. um, from just the stuff that I was learning. Um, one of the biggest things that I talk to my clients about is the domino effect that happens throughout pregnancy. We don't just land in birth and mm. it's just this like oopsie-daisy event. Yep. The choices that you make in pregnancy ultimately lead up to how your birth unfolds. So the things mm. that you choose to opt into and opt out of. Mm. So we've also got to look at our lifestyle and our whole upbringing as well because if we're being prescribed to a certain way of living which is like um, medical people are like up in this hierarchy position they know more about me they know more about Mm. that thing they know more about my body we're going to be very easily swayed by them and very easily led by them without question Mm. Um, so it's really important to also not only question what it is um that you want for your birth but also how you've lived your life and how you're mm. currently living your life because those things will impact your birth mm. and and the beliefs that you have like if you have fear around birth like from a mindset perspective you can create a scenario unfolding in your birth just from your mindset mm. completely if you've led been led to believe that birth should be feared that it's like horrendous that it's traumatic that it's blah 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 that creates a physiological response Mm. in your body so if you get into that um you know such a debilitating mindset around birth that first wave that comes on and Mm. you're in labor your whole body is just going to go yeah like reject it yeah Mm. and from a physiological point of view if you've got that much fear around birth because of all these stories that have been Mm. fed to you you literally have the ability just from one thought to shut down all of the birthing hormones happening in your body. So this whole like medical terminology, like failure to progress, um, you know, like things have just stalled, like Mm. it's not happening, like there's a problem. There's not a problem. can say to themselves on a physical level, I feel safe here, but your nervous system will not lie. Mm. If you step into that space and you go, oh, I don't feel comfortable here on a nervous system level, everything will shut down. It's game Mm. over. Yeah. So that's like another big thing that I teach to my clients is I check in with them as to where they're at in the 
birth hierarchy because at mm. the moment with our Western culture, it's like the obstetricians up here, you know, then the midwives, mm. then maybe the doula yep. and then the birthing woman. That whole thing yeah. needs to completely reverse. Yep. <laughs> but it takes a lot of work to get to that place. Like most women aren't stepping into the hospital going – like telling doctors what to do mm, or, or like where to I'm shove the it. most powerful person because here. we go into this space especially if the nervous system starts to like you're you go into labor and you f- you're quite vulnerable mm. you might be completely naked mm. um you know these things are happening to you without your control if your nervous system is already feeling like you're in a place of like powerlessness which in a sense you are in that space because the doctor's higher up than you there's people that you don't know looking over you you're more susceptible to acquiescing and just um feeling internally like you're hearing this conversation and internally you're going Mm. no but mm. then all of a sudden you blurt out going yeah okay I agree with what you say you Mm. do whatever whatever you think Mm. because the nervous system you're in you can go into that space of the nervous system is in that um it's not so much the fight or flight it's the freeze and appease mm. that mm. often you happens wanna, you want to trust the people that are around you right yeah totally yeah totally totally but this is and this is also where it comes back to um having to relearn what's mm. up here that the power is within you mm. it's mm. no one else yeah and but I, some women, some women don't, yeah, would want, prefer would totally. prefer to keep the power yep. externally to themselves, which is fine. Also, yep. and I think it's just experience. like that. You know, from such a young age, we are just outsourcing our power all the time. And I think even what's really interesting when you're talking about technology is like with our own menstrual cycle, like how many people use an app to determine what's happening in their cycle mm-hmm. instead of just Rather trying to into what their they're own power. experiencing yeah feeling on a daily basis yeah and like being able to just know by okay that's what my body's doing this means this is where I am on my cycle I'm mm-hmm. about to ovulate or I'm about to menstruate and yeah. rather than just going shut off from that what's my phone telling me about my menstruation yeah <laughs> like which is wild when you think about it right yeah. that we do that but there's so many areas of our life that we just outsource that power because we don't have that self-trust mm. or self-belief but then also because if we don't see people doing that like people like you mm. demonstrating no you can have that power you can have that confidence mm. which I feel like probably because I'm just starting to see more of it in my world and pull it in but I feel like more people are starting to mm. do that but then also it can be very terrifying to speak out against the norm as well at the same time oh yeah mm. yeah I think we saw a lot of that come up when we asked for questions around our energetics episode as well, mm. though, I think a lot of people just don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women would love to have this empowered birth experience, but they, like like you said, like the people that are around them, Jim, in the generational chat, like everything mm. that happens in Western world, it's like, where do I even begin? How do yeah. I start this, this journey? Mm. So if we had to kind of help guide them, what, what do you think some of the biggest advice would be to get started? Um, this is something that I see in my DMs quite a bit. Um, I often end up being the, the vault for a lot of newly pregnant women that are like, I'm only like six or eight weeks and no one knows yet. And like, what do I do? And all the things like, what's your advice? Um, and I gave this advice actually this week, um, 
a lady came to me wanting one of my like free resources and she said it super early on like what what do you recommend that I do and I actually said to her coming back to before block out the noise Mm. so you're going to start to get noise from friends family members what have you and their opinions Mm. about what they think you should do first and foremost block that out and then you need to backtrack so you need to ask yourself and become so so crystal clear on how you wish to birth and backtrack to getting to a place of who and where is going to support that so if you're saying like I want a physiological birth or actually most people aren't aware of that terminology they'll often say um, I want a natural birth well that that's wishy-washy to me Mm. because for some women a natural birth means vaginally and in a hospital Mm. other women that means no pain relief at Mm. all some women that means like not having a c-section vaginally Mm. some people say a natural birth will still say a natural birth is having an epidural so Mm. that means absolutely jack Mm. shit to me Mm. um i really 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 want to know like um are you open to an induction or is that totally off the cards for Mm. you where like Mm. um what pain relief are you open to are you like totally no, I don't, I don't want, I want to feel everything. I don't want pain relief. Um, you know, do you want to have that really um, like ecstatic experience or one where like people are poking and prodding you? Do you want to have, um, you know, the Doppler frequently checking baby when you're in labour? Do you want tests? Do you want vaginal examinations while you're in that very intimate mm. space of giving birth? Um how do you want to birth your placenta? Do you want to birth it naturally or do you want them to jab an injection in your leg and manually drag it out of you? They're the questions that we need to start asking. And then if a woman... And even to know to ask those questions, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like... Yeah. So And know that you have a choice of those questions those too. Yeah. yeah. So once we really backtrack that and if I start to like talk to um, a mum-to-be that's saying like, no, I don't want to get induced, I don't want pain relief, I um, don't want internal examinations, um, you know, I don't want to be checked constantly, I want to just be left alone. Mm-hmm. That's starting to say to me, okay, she's wanting a very intervention-free birth, she's probably wanting a physiological birth. Mm-hmm. If she was then to say, oh, but I'm going to birth in the hospital, that to me is kind of like walking into an Italian restaurant saying, I want pad thai, Mm. but they only do pizza here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that analogy. (laughs) Like the very nature of physiology, like the definition of it is everything in the body working well Mm. with no disruption. Mm. Mm-hmm. The very first disruption that happens with birthing in a hospital is you left the house. Mm. That's the first intervention. You caused it. It wasn't even a practitioner like a midwife or a doctor or an OB causing it at that point. Just you mm. getting in the car and leaving the house is the first intervention on your physiology. It gets you out in mm. bright light, um, mm. potentially. Even or just moving that fast in a vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that fast in a vehicle, artificial light. You don't have freedom of movement now. There are many mm. things that then just start to diminish the birth hormones. So we've mm. already started to disrupt phys- physiology. That's wild. I would um, never have even thought about that. Yeah. So physi- like on a definitional level, physiology or physiological birth doesn't happen in a hospital. And if mm. a woman's saying to me, that's what I want, well, it's up to her to make that call, to do the work, to get okay mm. with where that happens. And then can people say if they are going into the hospital, are there you know, doulas or people that they can have 
with them that can make a difference or it Um, still feels a little bit yes and no yes and no yes there is evidence that having a doula can um reduce intervention yeah absolutely um and maybe it even could potentially create a bit more safety for that woman do you think totally if they're like it's that continuity of care it's that known person outside of like the birth partner um so yeah that can definitely make a difference but if things were to vary even slightly outside of what their parameters of normal are Mm. a doula can't do jack shit to stop intervention because you're in it yeah yeah, so definitely having a doula can help, but if things were to go a little bit outside that bound, that parameter of what they consider to be textbook, yeah, not mm. really. So for women who are like, I want to have a home birth, mm. but they have their own fear about that, mm-hmm. what would you recommend like bringing someone like you on board to actually mm. support their belief system so that when it gets down to that moment, they truly are like, I feel safe here. Yeah. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Um, totally. Definitely doing some work with me would be highly recommended. Um, I would want to get to the bottom of where that fear comes from because mm. a lot of the, f- a lot of the time it can either be like one of two places. It's, it's, is a real fear because of a previous birth experience, mm-hmm. um, which is absolutely true and valid. A lot of the time the fear from like trauma from a previous birth experience that's happened in a hospital, we often unpack and get to the bottom of it was actually the hospital that created the emergency in the first place that they then had to go and fix. Mm. But we have this like white um, coat syndrome in our society Mm. that like, oh my God, they're the saviour, they saved the day, they saved the moment. But when we really unpack it, it was actually the fact that they gave you an epidural, which then meant you needed syntocin and the Mm. synthetic birth hormone which slowed birth down which actually can cause bleeding um that there's this like mm. yeah flow on effect of that so one it can often be a, an actual real lived real life fear yeah um from their own lived experience um the second is it's most of the time not actually their own fear Mm. And it's someone else's fear that's mm. been projected onto them. So it's like a mum having told them their whole life that like your birth experience with them being born was this, that, the other. It was super traumatic. This happened. You did this to me. Mm. Um, you know, so it can be those life stories that become imprinted on them mm. that it's not until we unpack it that we realise that fear's not mine. Mm. It's theirs. Yep. Mm. I can feel that. Mm. Same. <laughs> like when I, like I felt pregnant a few years ago and straight away I like booked in with this women's health psychologist and she was like a breath work and empowerment, blah, 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 because I knew instantly as soon as I felt pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I have so much fear around birth mm-hmm. and I didn't know where to start. So I just mm. booked in with like someone who could from day one be on that journey yeah, with, with me and like that didn't eventuate for me at that time, but like straight away I felt instant instead of like feeling Mm. instant excitement it was Mm. like more like instant dread because Mm. I'm like how am I going to do this Mm. am I going to Mm. do you mean like how's like instantly like how's my birth going to look yeah and sitting here listening to you speak about how different that can be and how many choices I would have had Mm. is actually blowing my mind a little bit to (laughs) be honest (laughs) there's so many choices yeah because and instantly you, you hear like the story as well, like it's not safe mm, to give birth at home. 
Totally. Mm. That's a big one that like I've just heard repeated over Mm. and over and over again. So I think. Mm. Which is really interesting because from my perspective, like, yes, you can look at like the research says that birthing at home is actually safer, Mm. which like, but again, we've been so societally conditioned by Mm. doctors are up here. These people are up here. They know best, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at it from like an evolutionary perspective, where do animals birth? Mm. Mm. Totally. Even if you like look at people that like have farms and stuff or, you know, and you just, they just sit back and watch their, you know. It just happens. It happens. And Dogs, even for example, like the amount that we just let that unfold and don't Mm. interrupt Mm. nature there, but yet we so desperately want to interrupt Mm. our own stuff. Mm. It's a big, like, there's a big aspect of like control there as well Mm. um, from a lot of practitioners, I guess, in that sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, say people are listening to this and they're starting to kind of reconceptualize how their birth might look Mm -hmm. and it's going to look like a home birth what kind of like who and what do you even need at home like I don't (laughs) even know um you really don't need much you really don't need much um like we had a birth pool because I did want to birth in the water I almost didn't the first time around but I was really glad that I had it there still and filled and ready as an option um because in a bathtub you don't have that freedom of movement really Mm. like to really sway and like rock because you you do once you start to get into transition you really just start Mm. to just if you really step back and watch a birthing woman she will just do the most strange movements but they're all instinctive like Mm. she can feel where her baby is and moving and where the leg needs to maybe lift up there or maybe like flip to the side or Mm. um whatever it is so like there's a little bit of restriction in a bathtub and it's a little bit more slippery whereas like the birth pool it's got handles on the edge so Mm. you can like pull onto it and it's got like a little seat in there Mm. they're a little bit bigger and rounder so you can kind of really move around um so we had a birth pool um outside of that like about 10 or so towels like old towels yeah um that you can like wrap around you and baby that's the most important thing when baby's born you want to keep both of you together oops um (laughs) both of you together mic'd up and um and warm um so lots of towels um you know there will be blood there'll be blood anywhere yeah wherever you are um, like those bluey kind of like dog training pads can be helpful. Oh, yes, I know those well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, because when you get to transition, when you get to full dilation, um, you start to leak a little bit of blood like everywhere yeah. if you were to sit down. Yeah. Um, so that can be helpful and also for afterwards to, to lay on um, and like in your bed as well yeah. um, to lay on. You can get much bigger ones as well. Um and is this something you teach women during your programs? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they are planning a home birth, um, yeah. I've got like one of my resources. They get like six um, different folders of resources, like to do with different topics. Um, and one of the resources that they have is like a home birth, um, like check off list yeah. that you know you pull it out like around thirty weeks and just start to be mindful of that um and then it really depends on whether like if you're birthing with midwives coming to you they pretty much have everything but if you're free birthing like some other things to consider would be um 
dental floss, not minty dental floss, but like just regular dental floss in case you did need to tie the cord off. Gotcha. I was like, why is someone needing to tie it quite quickly? You can buy clamps from um, medical supply places quite easily. Um, The chances of that being needed though are very slim um, because with the physiological birth, um, it is the body functioning well and optimally. So if that's happened through birth, um, yeah, like the the chance of hemorrhage and, and things like that is quite slim. Yeah, it's it's much higher when we've started to have intervention, syntocin mm. um, and things like epidural, um, things like forceps, which mm. all happen in a hospital space. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be the main thing, like mm. birth pool, um, potentially if you want it, and towels. Mm. Isn't it incredible? I mean, you, you need difference. to have hot – like hot water is helpful. Like yeah. knowing what type of hot water system you've got is helpful because you yeah. potentially spend – Lots of time yeah, filling like that pool. There, there's, <laughs> there's an intensity in birthing, um, I guess, without – pharmacological pain relief that is very different but also more manageable Mm. in the sense that it's a physiological pain whereas in the hospital the pain can be exacerbated Mm. because when there is fear we create more tension in the body more tension in the body creates more pain Mm. so the yeah it's it's different but Mm. can be more manageable with like things like water like warm water Mm. so you may find yourself in the shower a fair bit Mm. um or like the birth pool in itself, I can have like up to like 600 litres of water. So if you've got a very hot, small hot water system, you just want, kind of want to have like a bit of a contingency for, um, mm. you know, pots on the stove, yep. like big soup pots on the stove. So y- you've got extra hot water to top up. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Go get yourself lots um, of pots. You know, and like, think, like the extra things are like, you know, helpful. Yeah. Like if you've got a heater, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you need to warm up towels and things, like even if you don't have a dryer, you could put them like briefly in the oven. Yep. Um, yeah. You've pretty much got everything yeah. that you need. You pretty yep. much don't need. Isn't your main thing is your belief system, deal? right? Yeah. <laughs> and your capacity totally. to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. So for someone who, because this is something a few years ago that I was like to Blake, when we ever, you know, whenever we fall pregnant, I want you to know that I want to have a home birth. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to get on board with that. Mm-hmm. And at first he was definitely met with like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was like, well, who's going to birth the baby then? I was like, you. I Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. So I think Mine like is. I kind of started that conversation a couple of years ago with him because I, and, you know, there were definitely moments where I was like feeling persuaded by, you know, his thing and that's why I felt it was important for us to have that conversation well before I was pregnant or in that state where I could have been more susceptible to you know feeling vulnerable and feeling like oh I don't have the power yeah um and you know he's so on board now and he's like yeah let's go not pregnant just so we're all clear (laughs) (laughs) but I think record Um, but let's say someone who, you know, is already pregnant and Mm -hmm. needs to have that conversation with their, their partner Mm -hmm. and their partner's very, Mm. you know, got their own fear about it. Mm. How do you have that conversation in a way that obviously needs to be much more sped up? You know, you don't have a couple of years. Do you just say like, well, if you don't, don't be here then. Um, it's a, like, 
I think there's this assumption that birth partners or husbands or whatever, whatever, whoever the main support person is, um, that because they're babies, like father or you know other parents, mm. that there's like this entitlement mm, that they to be there. will be there. It's actually a privilege for them totally. to be there. So if they won't, don't want to get on board, I would be saying, well, don't have them. Yeah, it's my body. But a lot of women would be like, oh my god, like totally, yep. like well, that's a lot. I. I would be putting it back to them because it really is ultimately not the mum's responsibility to deal with the birth partner's fears yep. or questions or concerns. I would be just pointing them in the direction of where they're going to find the information that they yep. need to get educated and to get empowered yep. um, to get on the same page. Yeah, um, Working through birth partner's fears is, is not on mum. She's going to have totally. her own things to work through. Um yeah, this is why I work with birth partners. Mm. Um, you know, this is why their commitment in working with me is for really important. Like with my course, it's not just mums come to most of them and then the birth partner mm. just jumps into one. It's like you're committed or you're not committed. Mm. And like, mm. you know, and if you can't be committed for your partner in the birth experience and actually – um, support her and her wishes. Well, shit, we're going to open up a can of worms when we start to parent with su- with mm. this person. True. If you can't get on the same page as that, because mm. there's also some big questions to start asking in parenthood and how you wish to parent, the choices you wish to make that are, I'm telling you now, even harder than making the decision of birthing a home or not birthing a home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> birthing is one day of your life. That's yeah. You know, or a couple of days, um, <laughs> depending on how late, long labor goes for. But, um, yeah, mm. yeah, I would say getting them, getting them educated, mm. Mm. and working through their own fears, like why they have fears about yeah. it. Where are they coming from? Yeah, are they their own? Are they potentially their mums mm. <laughs> um, or friends? And then getting them surrounded with stories like home birth stories Mm. like positive stories to actually listen to to just start to open their mind up Mm. to a different perspective a different side of things um to go oh okay that doesn't sound so bad after all Mm. the seeing to believe is such a big expander for people isn't it Mm. yeah and we don't really have enough expanders in Mm. this space Mm. well i don't (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes i think um for birth partners it's just easy to just go along with the status quo because mm. it also creates pressure for them as well. Like mm. it creates an immense amount of pressure for a birthing mum to kind of openly in public or in friend circles or family circles go, we're birthing at home. Mm. But also for the husband or the birth partner to come out and also say that that's also opening them up to a lot of scrutiny. So mm. they've got to get themselves right and um, strong enough mm. in their belief system to like come out with that and, and, and back themselves. Mm, because yeah, they're potentially going to get questioned and if they don't know the stuff if they don't if they're not educated they're not going to know enough to really back themselves mm. as to why they've decided to do this yeah it's not just like you need to be backing the mum you need to totally have all of that under control yourself mm. <laughs> yeah and feel confident in that decision too mm. Mm. so can we one last thing I kind of just want to talk a little bit about mm. is the role of surrender in birth, but not just necessarily birthing a baby, but just 
you know, any type of birth in life, whether it's business, creative ideas, you know, because I feel like mm. with your businesses, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot that you have to kind of do. And yeah. yeah. Um, what I kind of talk to my birthing mums about, if I come back to that, um, is finding out what their personality is like on a day-to-day basis. How do they live? Um, and often almost nine times out of 10, particularly in our current culture, because we're so like, get it done, go to work nine to five, live this very masculine driven lifestyle. Um, There's often a lot of like type A controlling personalities. And we'll start to like break that down as to like, what are the things that you do that are actually controlling? Um, And getting them to start practicing things that are a little bit more feminine and flowing and like releasing and letting go so softening and taking more time for you know caring for yourself Um, like with my birthing mums we'll start to go through like movement sequences and like roaring together Mm. out loud because that's Mm. also a big thing that a lot of us as women feel like our voices are suppressed Mm. and we feel really um self-conscious um particularly like making noise or like that that could be seen as being really like loud or obnoxious Mm. um and like not perfect and put together and Mm. like all the things um and I'll talk about like in the birth space in order for things to flow you have to get into the feminine Mm. you have to get into this space of the unknown um yeah so yeah we start to talk about how can you embody the feminine more Mm. Mm. to be able to surrender the control ultimately like the holding on the grouping to you know the trying to dot the i's and cross the Mm. t's you can't do that in birth Mm. Um, we can't actually even really do that in life either um even though we have we try we try (laughs) we try to keep it all perfect in a neat little box but it's not going to be neat in birth Mm -mm. it's going to be messy it's going to be raw um it's going to be vulnerable um and also starting to get Uh, women tapping into their emotion more first time around I wasn't connected to that at all but second time around I've like really started to had really started to work through actually um yeah surrendering to that emotion and allowing it through because that's another big aspect of this Mm -hmm. like whole um not being able to surrender we'll just like I've got an emotion over something we'll just hold it in and we'll just keep holding it in keep holding it in so women when a woman gets to a place of being able to surrender those things as well that come up for her during pregnancy or speak to her partner about it straight away if there's an issue that comes up or express that emotion like straight away when it's there or you know cry the tears um yeah starting to get them to that place where they're embodying um that more feminine Mm like softening, stopping, slowing down, feeling, all mm. that stuff. Mm. <laughs> Are you like, oh, i got some work to do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad I've got time. <laughs> glad there's not a baby in the oven right now. <laughs> it's mm. all things that we can, that can be changed. Mm. You know, neuroplasticity, we've got totally. the infinite ability to change where we're at. Yeah. Where your belief systems are around birth or anything. And I think like that kind of even ties back to what you said before, like at the beginning of remove the people from your life or just momentarily that you know are not going to support where you are. It's mm. like you being willing to go actually no thank you uh, rather than just that good girl as in like I should show up and be nice to everyone and keep everyone in my circle because that's what 
you know, yeah. a good woman does or whatever, mm. instantly being able to go, no, thank you, I don't want that because it doesn't align with me or I don't feel good about those things and just mm. keeping them at a distance, like having the power to make those choices. Yeah. Yeah. Even that is a surrendering, like surrender to your own thing mm-hmm. rather than feeling like, oh, this person's been in my life for so long so I need yeah. to keep letting them shit on me feeling essentially. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if someone wants to work with you, <laughs> which I'm sure I'm already like, I can't wait to get pregnant now. I'm like, is it, is it too early to sign up now? <laughs> I don't even have a boyfriend. (laughs) You can never be too prepared. Do you have something for people who are not even like pregnant? Is that something you'd consider? Um, Or you're like, no, my work is with. You're like, I don't have time for that for a start. Not really. Not really. Um, I, yes, yes. Listen to the podcast. Yes, for women who are wanting to get pregnant again and have had a traumatic experience first time around. So yes, we'll do like a debriefing, like a birth coaching session, like a little intensive just to start to Mm. talk through and work through what is kind of coming up, but not so much a first time around gotcha Gotta but, be I, but I would say That's good to know I yeah. would say like just start to change the dialogue yeah um be aware of what you watch yeah and be aware like a little bit more hyper aware of what's um normal mm. and what's common mm. yeah mm. so how what kind of programs do you have going at the moment if people are Pregnant yes. and listening. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so my Becoming Mama program starts again on the 22nd of July. So it's a six-week intensive, three hours um, of a Saturday with you and birth partner. Session four is a breakaway session. So it's a women's circle with me and we um, do like a fear release and what have you. And then my partner, Jacob, takes the guys mm. – not guys – and partners, um, not always, um, away and does a separate session um, working on like fears from their perspective but also talking them through what to expect from the the outsider. Mm, that's that's cool. incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we go right through into like parenting, preparation, reparenting, Wowza. early parenting choices, planning for the postpartum, breastfeeding, all of like the – after that's amazing things as well um and then it's like coaching um like voice note coaching like the whole way through their pregnancy and postpartum support as well um I do have a new offering coming up but I haven't launched it yet so I can't tell you but it's coming I may or may not know what it is (laughs) (laughs) it's coming soon it'll be um on the 2nd of September maybe by the time this podcast comes out if you've launched it we can put it in the show notes Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not- a new new offering and something that I'm really, really, really excited to share, um, and something that I'm bringing in some other practitioners um, that I work with quite closely. So I'm really excited to work with these ladies again. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> dun, 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 sorry, drum sorry, everyone. Can't let you know. Just <laughs> so I guess what? Just follow along on Instagram. Sign yep. up to your mailing yep. list. Yep. All the good things. All those things. Yeah. Free so resources and things. In birth and beyond. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in and being our first ever guest. (laughs) 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 Thanks, ladies. Really appreciate it.